Hello, Andrea. Hello. <laughs> How is that? How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. Um, I'm just going to do a quick introduction. Well, hello and welcome to all my listeners. Um, this is Ignite Your Strengths with me, host Shaharazad Mokadim. And on today's show, I'm going to be speaking with the lovely Andrea Corbett, who is an ex-secondary school teacher, personal trainer, professional international bodybuilder, and British champion women's physique natural bodybuilder. Andrea is also a woman's confidence and mindset coach and the founder of Focus CIC. So on today's show, we will be talking about how Andrea overcame mental ill health, why she turned to weightlifting and the journey that took her from that to bodybuilding, the reasons of starting up Focus CIC and how it's developed from 2016 to present, and what the future holds for Focus CIC in terms of development and education. With a focus on Black, Asian and mixed ethnic minorities, specifically in girls and young women to participate in physical fitness. And how schools can encourage more girls to try different sports and join clubs. I'm going to be asking Andrea about any barriers or adversities faced and what she's overcome as a woman within the fitness and bodybuilding industry. So over to you, Andrea. Wow, I had to look around to see who you was actually talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, wow, okay. That, that introduction was powerful. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Um, where do we start? <laughs> You're, you're, you're a woman of many talents. <laughs> Listening to that list, you just reminded me that I am. Sometimes as a woman, we actually tend to um, forget all the things that we do. do. And the one thing you didn't mention as well is being a mother. <laughs> you know? oh, so yeah, there's so yeah. many things that, go, that, um, that accompany with being a woman and being so powerful and overcoming adversities. And that list was phenomenal. So thank you. Um, thank you. Um, where do you want me to start? Yeah, I, I I can start from like how my journey began. You know, from yeah. when I first was diagnosed. So yeah, as you as you rightly mentioned, I'm an ex secondary school teacher. I was actually a head of business and computing. And when I say that, before I when I say I'm a head of, people say what PE? Like no, I was <laughs> yeah. So post. Um, diagnosis I was not into physical activity at all um, the cl- I always say the closest I got to physical activity was actually watching my son play football um, and that was about it and I took up a course called Mums on the Ball and that was just like a level one footballing coaching course just to show him that you know mums can do football too and that, that was that was just my only reason for doing it nothing else um, so yeah so post-diagnosis that so we're saying before 2015 I had my troubles you know as, I wouldn't say as you do because not everyone has them but I've been in relationships that weren't you know conducive to my life and I was a secondary school teacher so that and the head of department so that entailed a lot of work um it meant that I was now, as people say, oh, you're a teacher, so you get all the holidays. No, mm-hmm. I actually, and I'm sure you would agree with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, you don't get all the holidays. I was in and on the holidays, making sure that, you know, the cohort had all their work, especially the year 11s, that they were up to scratch with all of what their um, exam coursework needed to be done. And so the work took its toll. And then my son, who's 23 on Tuesday, was a young wow. teenager, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Makes me say wow when I say it. Um, he was a young teenager, so having to deal with his hormone changes and, you know, growing into teenage life, that was a lot. And like I said, I was, I was with a partner that, at the looking back now, I knew that that wasn't the right relationship for me. So there were so many things that when people ask me, when I speak about my breakdown or my diagnosis, they like, why do you think it happened? And I can't pinpoint one exact moment in my life that made, that, you know, could have caused the actual breakdown. I think it was a combination of so many different things and so much pressures that we have. And especially as being a black woman in such a, a role, it for me personally, it was like, 
I could feel though, like, like 2014, that the latter part of 2014, I could feel that my life was changing and, and not for the better. You know, um, I was drinking heavily. I wasn't marking my schoolwork, but I didn't know how to verbally express myself and say anything to anybody. You know, you telling someone that you just drank a bottle of wine it's, it's a laughable offence because, you know, oh, you're a school teacher that, you know, you could go to mark your work. That's that's the thing that you do. So yeah. no one was really concerned about that fact. Um, and no one really was, because I was head of department, they didn't really, they wasn't really on my back about work because they knew that I was getting the work done. So I was, you know, just free to, to do um, to get on with my work but I was secretly not doing the work and then it started to pile up and then the young people you know they were getting concerned about their work and if a young person's getting concerned about their work then you know something's very serious yeah. um, and like I say the months the weeks turned into months and then it just turned into another month and before I knew it um, fast forward it was February 2015 and I was at school one day and I just literally, it, luckily it was after school and I just, just couldn't stop crying. And I didn't know why. And I just, just couldn't control myself. And luckily for me, there was a lady that worked in HR, lovely and lovely lady. And I just went to speak to her and she calmed me down. And after a long period of time, and she said, you know what, Andrew, I think you need to go to the doctors. Yeah. You know, take tomorrow off and go to the doctor's, make an appointment and go. And I did that. And it always, <laughs> I mean, when I speak about it, it just brings back that memory. It's like a, it's like some, that a day that you'll never forget. So I went to the doctor's and um, the doctor, and I was more concerned about what he said next. He said, take two weeks off work. Now, as much as I wasn't feeling 100%, me taking two weeks of work was like, are you serious? How how is anything going to get done? And that's the control that we feel that we have over our work. That you know we need to be there all the time. We can't take any time off work. We can't do this. We can't do that. But yeah. these are the re- these are the things that happen when you don't do those things. Especially when you're a teacher as well. Yes. I don't think people understand how much um, teaching actually affects your you, you know your life, your well being. I mean, it's not just you go to school, you go teach, and you leave at three thirty either. Exactly, exactly. That's that, and that's my point. Is you know, we I was there from eight o'clock. School finishes at three thirty, say, but I'm still there at seven o'clock, and then yeah. I've got to go home, and I've got my own child to cater for. Yeah, you know, and it's just on repeat. So, and then you got the weekend, and then you got mark work. So realistically, when are you finding time for yourself? Yeah, it's true. You've got mark, you've got to mark work. You've got a lesson plan as well. Um, so you know, weekends get consumed up with that. And I know for from my own point of view, um, it took up a lot of my time. And you lose out. You lose out on family time. You yeah. lose out on seeing your child grow up and develop. I mean, you're focusing on other children that you're teaching, but you're not focusing on your own child. Exactly. And it's, it's now when I look back and I realise those things. But at the time, you're just think, you're not thinking about that. It's your job. You know, you've got to do this. This is what you're getting paid for. Yeah. No one's paying me to look after myself. So why am I doing that? And I think more women, not just in teaching, but it's just in general need to pay themselves to look after themselves because otherwise you can't rely on other people to to do to do that work for you it's only going to be done by yourself and so so just going back now to to what I was saying so yeah he said take two weeks off work and I was mortified by that but I had to do it and whilst I was off work I didn't tell anybody that why I was off work because I actually didn't really know why I was off work he just said take some time off rest and then come back and make an appointment to come back again in two weeks. So it's whizzed through those two weeks now. So I was at home, not really doing anything, just panicking about what's going on at school, how are these young people getting on, and rather than actually what's going on with me. 
I went back in the two weeks and he asked me a series of questions. I now come to realize that those are the questions that you that are asked um, to identify if someone is on, you know, on the mental health spectrum. And so he asked me those questions and then he Andrea, I think I'm gonna, no, not I think, I'm gonna um, say that you, you know, I'm gonna diagnose you with a mental health illness. Now, how did, that, you, how, how did you feel when, I mean, like, like, how did you feel? I mean, how did you take that? Shall I say, I bet, like, taking that was, and I'm, I, I always say this in my story, and I always make a disclaimer saying that this is not said in jest. This was my own lack of education about mental health. So when he said this, the door is behind me. So I was looking behind me. I think he was quite confused, like, who, what, what am I looking for? But I was actually looking for someone to come in with a white, like, with a straight jacket to, to take me away now. Because, you know, all, the, the, I only knew about the negative connotations that were attached to, to mental health. Yeah. And the, that, that negative stigma that is attached to mental health. And so that clearly didn't happen. And so I was just confused as to what are you talking about? I don't think I could even, I even had a response. I think it, it was more like a like a frozen like state that I was in after he told me um, and wrote me out a prescription for antidepressants. And there was no real explanation to be fair as to what the condition, I think he just assumed that I, I knew and I think that was really, that's really wrong to just assume yeah. that someone automatically knows what you're actually, what this, what mental health actually is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he told me that. And then on the way home, because my doctor's is just a walk away from where I live, I was just, it was just repeated in my head, like, I'm going to have to diagnose you with a mental health illness. I'm gonna, and then all I was thinking, like, how am I going to tell my mum uh, yeah. that I have a mental health illness? Like, like I said, all, all I knew was negative um, connotations attached to mental health. And it wasn't something that was spoken about. If you heard anybody talking about mental health, they were not saying anything pleasant. Yeah. And families that I knew of members that had mental health, they were just hushed away. So, you know, it's quite frightening. So I, I didn't actually tell anybody for months because that's what I actually thought was going to happen to me. Like, okay, the people with the straight jackets in the company, me, but what, the, what are my family going to do? What are they going to say? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying because there is so much stigma surrounding mental health illness. And there is, you know, whether it's stigma from society or it's, you know, stigma from family. Um, and as you say, you know, a lot of families, it's almost a, a taboo subject mm -hmm. and they don't want to talk about it. They'd rather just, okay, you know, in other words, you've got the, all right, get, you know, just deal with it. Yeah. And it's not a case of just dealing with it. You can't deal with it when you're by yourself and you're going through that. You need support network, whichever kind of support network that you can get, whether it's from your family or from friends or from outside networks, you know. But there is, and, and, and we're in the 21st century now, and there is still stigma surrounding mental health illness. Yeah. And, and it, when I think back and, and how I felt and as a grown woman, I can only just empathise and just feel pain for the young people that are diagnosed with mental ill health and yeah. what they must be going through and what, 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 do you, what, what do you think about when you're being told that? You know, these labels that are attached to, to young people. Yeah. Now I've come out of the um, teaching, you know, it's like, wow, there were a lot of labels placed on young people that they probably didn't even know what these labels, no, what do you say probably, they didn't know what these labels actually meant. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally understand and I totally agree with what you say. And also, I do think um, women who go through mental health illnesses, you know, when we talk about mental health, as you know, because you're a mental health first aider as well, aren't you? Andrea? Yeah, yeah, instructor. So, yeah. so you're an instructor and you you, um, you, you provide courses and, and stuff like that. Anyway, you can talk about that yourself, yeah. but... For example, for a lot of young girls, um, because as we know, mental health can happen at quite a young age. Um, it can start from primary age school um, children. So just going back to women in general, I think a lot of women are scared, especially when they have a child and um, they get diagnosed with mental health illness because their first fear is is that their child is going to be taken away from yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're scared to get to that point where they may need to be hospitalized and if they haven't got that support network or family network around them they're even more terrified because their child will be taken into, you know, um foster care or you know in a children's home Um, I myself working as a school teacher had witnessed um, I mean I I didn't work in secondary school I worked in primary school but I did witness um, a few young girls whose mother whose mothers were actually admitted into um, you know psychiatric hospital um, because of severe depression and those young girls were then put into children's homes because they didn't have that family support network around them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a case where mental health really needs to be spoken about more. And I know that, you know, now they brought in the new curriculum in schools, <clears throat> you know, from, from this year, actually. Uh, talking about mental health and mental health awareness but it needs to be spoken about not just in schools but in workplaces as well yeah it needs to be spoken about and it needs to be spoken about more and for young people to come forward because they're not actually getting the help and support from mental health services either there's too much there's a queue there's like the services that are out there there's just so many young people that need their attention that there isn't enough to handle there isn't enough um, resources in, to, to handle the demand mm. unfortunately um so yeah it's yeah it's very it's very disturbing it is very disturbing so but... so now to you andrew like how did you you know obviously you know the doctor gave you these antidepressants um you know, did you take them straight away or, or were you a bit kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm going to take these, you know, because that happens. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then, you know, so how, what, what, how did you feel? What did, you know, once you were walking home and after you had all these loads of things flying through your head, how are you going to tell your mum? How are you going to tell your son? How are you going to manage? How are you... What's work even going to think? Because let's face it, you know, people are scared to even tell their bosses at work because they're scared that they might, I don't know, get get the sack or they might be looking for a way to get rid of them, you know? Exactly. So that was, all these things were just running through my head and like having two weeks off work and thinking, okay, so when I go back, is how things going to be and all the rest of that. And you just have all these negative thoughts and not at one point did I think about a positive future. Not at one point did I think about all the things that I'm doing now. Oh yeah, then I can just not work. None of that. It was just all doom and gloom. And um, one thing the doctor did say was to, to use physical activity to manage my health. And before I go through into that and in regards to the antidepressants, yes, I did take them because the doctor told me to. And as far as I was concerned, I didn't know, like I said, I was the lack of education. If it was now, then it would be a different story because I'm I'm clued up and I know what's what and what's available and what alternatives there are out there. But at the time, 
if the doctor has given you something for an illness, then you take it. It's like going to the hospital and saying you, that you've got a, a cut and the doctor's advising you you should have a stitches. You're saying, no, I don't want them. Yeah. The doctor, you know, you, you take, you do it because the doctor says it will heal faster. So you do that. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what I done. And I, I came off of them for a bit. And then and the worst thing that he told me was that you're going to go down first before, you know, you see a spike in your, in your mood. And I'm thinking, how much further down am I going to go? Because as far as I'm concerned, I was feeling very, very low at that point. And so if you go go on them and then come off of them, you have to go through that whole process all over again. So, and once again, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, but I thought I could do without them and so on and so forth. That, that was in the beginning. So like I mentioned, he did say to to use physical activity and I side-eyed him because like, this wasn't at the same point but I went back again to get more antidepressants and then, and then he said that and I said okay once again told me something but wow, without explaining to me and so my thought process was uh, I'm in this predicament now if the doctor's giving me the antidepressants the presence, he's advised me to take up physical activity clearly what he's saying is going to contribute to me getting better and the situation at home wasn't getting any better like I mentioned my son's at home it was just him and I I'm his carer but his carer is not able to care for him Mm -hmm. and that feeling even now just speaking about it is yeah you, you just can't even I can't even I can't even, I, I, I don't even have the words to even exp- describe how I felt or, you know, at that time. So I went to the gym and found it boring. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so, why am I here? And then there was a few people there that were like into bodybuilding. I was like, okay. They were very chatty. They were, you know, um, communication lines were very open and they were friendly and I saw that they were there every day and I thought, okay, this seems, and I was questioning them about what they were doing. I thought, you know what? This bodybuilding thing, sport, didn't know what it was. <laughs> it looks like something that I could actually get into. And um, I did, I, I just thought, okay. I went home and weighed up the pros and cons about this. And there wasn't many um, cons, it was mainly pros because me, me being in the gym every day meant that I was satisfying what the doctor was telling me to do, yeah. and I was finding that I was finding that I was coming home and I was actually, and I say this and I whisper it when I say this, like I was happy, but I didn't actually know that you could be happy and have a mental health illness. Now I know to some people listening that may sound really dumb or really like really, but that is actually how I felt. So. Yeah. When it, even when it comes to social media my social media didn't really start until after I, res- I resigned from work because I didn't want to be seen as enjoying my sick leave but yeah. when in actual fact it was actually medication for it was a form of medication you know um, um, me being in the gym but like I said the lack of education I didn't know that even when the doctor said to me you know going to the gym will increase your endorphins and I was like what are endorphins now? Is that more medication? Like, I really had didn't have an idea about a clue about any of this. And mm-hmm. yes, I am an educated woman. Yes, I am a head of department, school teacher. But no, I don't know everything. And yeah. these <laughs> these are the things that we people need to understand. Like, we we're not we're not you know we don't know everything. We're not Google. So I had to actually go home and Google endorphins and realise it was a feeling, it was, a, you know, brain chemicals and a feeling that you have after you, you, you've done some form of physical activity. It's a good feeling hormone. So I thought, okay, cool. And then I realised once I was in the gym that I was, you know, experiencing the, the endorphin effect. Um, so, yeah, so I did the training and I was training with a few people and then I done some research on the internet and found a competition and it just happened to be the UK BFF national competition didn't know what yeah. it meant but it sounded important it sounded like something that I could do as you do yeah as you do and like literally I didn't 
had I didn't have an idea. I didn't have a clue. So this just long story short, because that is a very long story. So training, training, training. My um, eating habits changed as well, not dramatically, but enough to help me with my training. My water intake increased. Um, I was still drinking alcohol because apparently, not apparently, but this is a thing like alcohol helps with, you know, especially like the night before a competition helps drain you out. So that was any excuse to drink alcohol. So that was that. So long story short, so back the day of um, the actual competition, um, rocked up there now, asked one of the judges, Martin, I never forget. So got the list of, you know, the categories and when they were on and realised that there were two, I was going in for, to, as a body fitness competitor, a figure, and I realised that there were two body fitness on the list. Now, one was, say for example, you had a list of 20 categories. Yeah. One was number four and the other one was like 18. Now, all that was going through my head is, oh my gosh, if I wait till 18, the, the 18th category, I haven't eaten, I have, I have to wait all that time to eat, I have to wait all that time to drink, no, I'm not going to go to the one and that's the fourth one. Didn't know what it was, but I was just going to go for the fourth one. Because so, he was no help. I was like, what one should I do? And he's like, it's in, I can't tell you that. It's entirely up to you. But it turns out that the one on the 18th was the open category, which, I, like I said, I didn't understand any of the terminology. And the one on the fourth was masters. And I only found that out because when I went to register, um, the lady at the desk was like you know this is for masters I said okay what does that actually mean and she said oh you have to be over 35 and I looked at her and I was like I am over 35 I'm 38 and she looked at me as if I was lying (laughs) (laughs) so I was so okay so I was clearly um within my rights to do the to do the masters category so that was fine so we did I did the masters category Another long story short, was on the stage and we was all lined up and the judges were just looking, when I mean staring at me, to the point where I was just getting very nervous because I thought my bikini had moved. I didn't know what was going on. I could hear my family and friends like, smile, because I stopped smiling at this point because I was like, what? You know, I just wanted to say to them, is anything wrong? What's the matter? And then before I knew it, the, the head judge was standing next to me. I burst out into tears because I'm already I'm already emotional wreck as it is, and I'm like I don't take steroids. I don't even drink protein shakes because this was a national competition, and I knew the part that part that it was a national competition, which means it was a drug tested competition. So I thought that they thought I had taken steroids, right? And so I just was in a like in a wreck. But he was actually come on stage to take me off of the stage to tell me that. I would, they would deem me too muscular for body fitness and they were going to move me to a different category. But it took him about 10 minutes for me to actually register what he was actually trying to tell me. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, I don't forget Sugar, that's where I went. Um, he's such a lovely gentleman. So it took me, yeah, he's just stood there. I was like, have you finished now? So basically, have I finished crying? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's the matter? And then he, that's when he told me. So then I had to go back on stage by myself and you know get get awarded my my trophy so my journey to bodybuilding was quite um dramatic and I'm known for the the woman that stopped the show uh, literally because the whole show stopped and no one knew what was going on so that was a a bittersweet day for me because yes I I had won the show come home with a trophy but then I always tell the story of I come home and it's like take off the I am fine mask because no one at any point whilst I was on stage knew what I was going through yeah so I had to put on the I'm fine smiles but deep down inside I really wasn't fine and um that was a that was a big you know for what you were going through at the time that was a big thing to go on on stage it was a big it was a massive move to go on to stage in a bodybuilding competition and plus not even knowing really about what's going on <laughs> or which even which category that you even going into <laughs> it was it was I mean that's that's a massive you know that was a massive step to take 
at the time I didn't know so all the things that I do now I didn't actually know that that was I was actually preparing myself back then but I didn't know what what, what I was actually doing um so yeah I, I didn't know that I was build, rebuilding my confidence and my confidence level for bodybuilding like shot to the roof it went sky high however my confidence level in my personal life took a different t- took a different um turning it went the opposite direction and so yes I won the the show back then but of that same year I had to no I didn't say have to but I resigned because my confidence levels and self-esteem were so shattered I didn't think I could go back to working as a school teacher I didn't think that me going through what I had gone through with mental, mental health illness would have, you know, I say the word allowed, and that's only from my point of view, not from the school's point of view. I didn't think I would be allowed to go back and work with young people again. Yeah. I didn't think that my colleague, I thought that my colleagues were just going to be whispering behind my back and pointing the finger at me. You know, I thought that I would go back and I'd be demoted. I all these negative inner critic comments that were going through my head from myself were now obviously I know that they were, they were ridiculous but at that time I thought they were all the truth that was that was fact they were facts that was what's going to happen so mm-hmm. all I did was resign all I could do think of to do was to resign and I resigned without any idea about what I was going to do next like when I said to people I've resigned from work like what are you going to do it's like oh yeah what am I going to do I actually didn't know right so that was like towards the end of 2015 Mm -hmm. I then actually did my first international competition that year as well once again had no idea why I was being selected to do this international competition I kept it a secret for so many months until someone actually turned told me that it was because I won the national competition that I was able to do the international competitions and I was actually in fact we should have been shouting it from the rooftops because I was the first woman's physique competitor to be able to represent the UK in these competitions because they were drug tested competitions yeah I didn't know that and you're I, a na- and you're a natural bodybuilder yes but I at the time when I did my first international competition I kept it a secret because I thought it was a mistake that I was actually able to do it because I think this is my first year of competing this doesn't happen in your first year this must be wrong <laughs> so wow. it was just all yeah it was just all like wow so there's so many so much good things that happened and I just didn't talk about it because I didn't think it was the right thing for me to do but during that year I did actually I forgot to mention I did actually you know tell my parents about or my friends about my illness bearing in mind I didn't go into too much detail especially with my mum I told her what she what I thought she needed to know at that time and still the stigma was was still in the in the forefront of my mind so but she was so loving and welcoming and didn't once again all those inner critic comments that were in my head none of that happened all what I had envisioned was going to happen none of that happened it was a positive time that you know that that she 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 took it on she took it better than I ever thought um, and yeah. same with my friends and and so on and so forth but um but at that time my friends list was very slim because I had lost a lot of friends in 2014 because I, I can't even say why, but it, not even I can't say why. I, it was just because I think that I didn't know what I was going through, and neither did they, and so we just drifted apart. Yeah. And since and the, clearly the friendship wasn't meant to be. But I won't go into any more details about that because that's not fair for me to say anything else because there isn't really a reason. But um, yeah, so gosh, it feels like that. This is just imagine all of this is just one year. And there's so much in between that's happened that we haven't even spoken about. So I'm going to fast forward because this is we can go on for the whole podcast. This is just 2015. Um, so in 2016, now I'm without a job, but I have now decided that I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. I've decided I want to be sober. I've decided that something's got to give because I was drinking so much that I didn't know what was affecting me worse, the antidepressants or the alcohol. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop drinking. Make this disclaimer before I say this. 
I also weaned my started to wean myself off the medication as well. But I don't advise anybody to do that without speaking to a, a medical profession first. Yeah. Um. So that is, you know, I went and spoke to my doctor, and I, that's what I wanted to do. So I've done that. So I've stopped drinking alcohol, weaned myself off the medication. I was like, okay, I need to identify what is mental health. What are these? What are the facts around mental health? Now my brain's in gear. Now, now I'm really, you know. I'm starting to come alive now. I was like, no, I need to go on this journey. So I went, I, Eventbrite was my best friend, started looking for all the you know, network events that had mental health in them, with, went to every event going. I trained up to be, um, become a mental health first aider um, in youth, adult, perinatal, every event I was there. And it's like, oh, you was here last week? Yeah, you was like, everyone remembered me. So it was great. Then I met a friend and he suggested um, that I should look into a community interest a community interest company. I was like, why? And he said, you know, all the things that you're learning, it'd be good to give back to the community because he mm. was very community orientated. And so I, I looked into a community interest company. It looked like something that I wanted to set up. But prior to that, I keep jumping around I'm so sorry because I just remember things so before I did that I actually was going to go back and work in a school but as you know you need a DBS mm-hmm. and my DBS took so long to come I think that that was the universe of me saying that no you're not going back into school <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're going to do your own thing because I even had to get my MP involved to you know to write a letter to the DBS organization to say well I'm for this DBS where is it wow. um so yeah so that didn't happen so I couldn't even go back and do like um supply work I was literally yeah, on my way just no job no money coming in nothing so I said all right I'm gonna set up a CIC didn't know so I did my research about CIC and then in September of 2016 just after I qualified as a personal trainer I formed focus on creating your ultimate self CIC and I always get asked why is it so long um because I didn't just want a an organization just with a, a name just because that name needed to mean something to me. I sat down for a very long time thinking of acronyms that I could I could use as a as a title for, for my CIC. And focus was a word that kept popping up. You need to focus on this, you need to focus on that. You need everything was about every second word was the word focus. Focus, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was. I like the word focus, but I can't just use the word focus. And so I sat down and I came up with the acronym FOCUS on creating your ultimate self. Now, obviously, your is not, there's not a Y in FOCUS, but it doesn't read well if you don't have the word your, yes. my in, in, in the sentence. And so that's where, that's how FOCUS was born. Um, went to a company, they helped me fill out the forms um, and it was very simple. And then I was lucky enough to get some funding to have a an open day we had um different stalls down there people come down selling clothes and like we had uh, someone doing henna we had Neil's yard there it was it was a wonderful event and it was mainly for women um and it was you know had exercise there's like people doing physical activity you name it, it was there things for young people to do and I had this list of things that I wanted to do but we had a doctor that came on board and um we had we had like a a circle a circle of women that were just there sitting down asking the doctor questions, and before I knew it, like two hours had passed, and these women were just felt they were in such a safe environment that they could just talk about their issues and and not be worried about what that person was going to think and what like any judgment basically, yeah. and then when that happened, it, it made me realise you know this was something special, this was something that I was supposed to do. And I'm so happy that I'd done that. Um, the following year, I was then asked to to um, to go on a podcast. No, it wasn't even a podcast. It was more of a, it's like a podcast, but a visual version. And um, someone's vlog type thing. So that was, that, that was my first experience of, of that in 2017. 
and that was I was like surprised why are you asking me you know you know that you, you just downplay everything that I realize now you just downplay so much of what I was doing I did because I think it was at the time I didn't understand the, the power of what I was actually doing you know yeah. you just go through the motions um and yeah it was just from there things have just started to pick up I then uh, was approached by a local borough to work with um they looked after, I looked after I looked after children's department they then uh, the head teacher at a virtual school asked me if I could take young people to the gym I looked at her I was like are you, are you, is that a serious question is that a serious question she says yeah we'll we'll pay you you know we'll pay you like you're a personal trainer how much you get paid for a personal trainer and then it's like are you serious so that was when it wasn't at the time called the youth, um, youth fitness mentoring program but that was when I was just doing my youth fitness I, I, at the time it didn't even have a name it was just me taking young people to the gym and I just thought that I could utilize this this was it was more than that so when I was taken to them taking them to the gym it wasn't just taking them to the gym I was asking them how they were we were sitting down having conversations and I was thinking you know what there there's something in this more than just the gym yeah and that's when I realized it was more of the mentoring than the fitness and so that's when the youth fitness mentoring program was born right um, yeah, and so, then plus, you know, you've got that experience of working with secondary age school children as well. So that yeah. tied in nicely. And imagine, so back in 2015, I resigned because I didn't think I could ever work with young people again. So now me being a service provider and the service provider for young people, it's like, wow, is this for real? Um, so yeah, so the Youth Fitness Mentoring Programme was born. We did a lot, like, I, it was just me. I created booklets for them that we said we'd write out there, you know, mini goals, like long, short-term, medium-term and long-term. What do they vision for their schoolwork? Like, it was just, it was amazing. And the feedback that I would get was 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 even better. Um, so then I did that. Then I trained to become a Youth Mental Health First Aid Instructor. So what that means is I'm able to um, certify people as mental health champions or first aiders. So it's, I was just really immersing myself with mental health and, and physical health and young people. And that was great. And then we did some, I got funding for Focus CIC to do some work with, um, I decided we we're going to do a project, a boxer size project for parents and their children so that you know they can parents can see their children in a different environment and vice versa yeah. and we had you know refreshments there and it was it was so it was, it was so weird not weird but it was a good feeling but it was a sorry a bit like a bit of sweet feeling because we had a good attendance in the beginning but then it slowed down in the middle and then picked up again in the, in the at the end but I didn't realize that people thought that they had to pay for this service but it it was a 12-week project and it was free I had funded for the whole 12 weeks for it to be free and they wasn't used to having things free for that long period of time yeah especially (laughs) for that length of time as well yeah and what we was providing yeah yeah, so we had a crash there uh it was amazing and um yeah so that was more work for uh, focus CIC and I, I don't know, no. I, and, and in between that time, obviously, I'm doing more bodybuilding shows that that hadn't, you know, still doing well in there to go into more international shows and um, placing like coming top five in a couple in a few of them. Um, as we speak, I'm just looking at my trophies now. Um, so, yeah, that was it was a great moment. So that was like 2017. Then we go into 2017. I did the British finals. I wasn't going to do the British finals because um, I had a family um, a family issue that I was dealing with and it was really affecting me. But once again, my friend, in, you know, said to me, it encouraged me to do it. You know, it would take your mind off of it. You know what fitness does for your mental health. Do it. And I'm so glad I'd had those good friends around me that encouraged me to do that. So I'd done it. I came second and that was the greatest moment me coming second I actually had more emotions than coming second than I did when I won in 2018 mm-hmm. because of what I was going through and the 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 energy and the energy that it just took for me to train and the mindset that I had to get into to train coming second was just as good as coming first for me of course 
Of course, um, yeah. So, so I don't know if you've got any questions, so I, can't, I just feel like I've been talking throughout the whole time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. This is your journey. And, yeah. and it's important for, you know, there might be other women out there that want to take on that same journey of, you know, whatever type of journey it is, whether it's bodybuilding or starting up in going to the gym, even starting maybe their own type of business. You know, there's it's a journey at the end of the day. And, you know, sometimes we think that we're going to go in a particular direction, but that gravity pulls us in a different direction. So, you know, all of these things, you know, they're meant to... Yeah, they're meant to be. So, I, to- I totally I mean, what, that. What, what do you... Now, fast-forwarding a bit, now focusing on... Focus, see, I see. You see? The focus. <laughs> focus, yeah. Um, and I think that's a nice... It's, it's, it's a nice word. Mm. Because when you say focus, it's focus on many things, aspects of your life. Definitely. So, um, and we always tell young people as well, focus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, um, what do you... What what? Tell me more about focus here. I see now in present present day. What what so, what, what's um, what's been the developments with focus here? I see. So great developments. Um, so we've uh, gosh, we've attached ourselves to an organisation called Sport Education, and have received um, funding from them. But due to COVID-19, things were put on hold. But even during that time, we've come up with ideas of what we need to do. So the idea for the sport ed funding was to work with 12 young women and girls aged 16 to 24 from the BAME community. And the reason why I chose the BAME community is because, one, I'm a black woman from you know, who's in sports, to when I was looking for role models myself, when I was coming into bodybuilding, they were few and far between, especially in the UK. Um, When I look at magazines, health magazines, I can really see a woman that looks like me. And so all these things are adding up to, well, where are the role models for these young women? Yeah, and then statistics were suggesting that you know that the Bain community, especially for females, are females in as a whole are less active than male than males, but Bain females are even lower still. So I'm like, no, something's got to change here. Yes, I know my background wasn't in fitness, and when I was a young girl, I didn't really get, wasn't into the fitness um, environment, but why is that and so trying we trying to so the whole point of the 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 project was to change that and to help change that narrative Mm -hmm. and to encourage more BAME young women and girls to become leaders within sports so what that then meant that I um trained to become a tutor and assessor for the Community Sports Leaders Award. So now Focus is Focus CIC is, is now an educational centre. And then it just grew from there. And then we have people like yourself. Like, yes. <laughs> like, that, like people need to know that this is in the last few months, it's just been from me as Focus, like wearing the hat for my own personal business, what I have as the coach, and then doing focus work. But now people like you come on board now, like you've you've come to me and like you know it's drawn me to tears because having someone else see my vision and not really have to explain to you my reasoning behind it, you just get it. Yeah. And you've just been so powerful. The force that you've brought towards to the to the organization has been immense and has been, you know, well well received not just yourself, we have um, Fury that, that's come on board and I've known her for a little while and I've, she knows she's known about Focus CIC but as they say, nothing before it's time. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we've got another new member as well. Yeah. We haven't even 
which is, you know, and, and we all represent the BAM community as well. And this is the beauty of it. You know, when we had that Skype call the other day, we and I just looked and said, look, this is this is what we this is what we're we're representation, we're role models for these young girls. Now it's all well and good me saying, yeah, I want to do BAME young women and girls, but I only represent one part of that of BAME. You know, but now focus can truly say we represent BAME. Yeah, we are that full and it's gonna keep growing because I know word of mouth and they see when we we're gonna have more women come on board to be more we want more women to be role models so anybody out there that's listening you know we are all volunteers but we volunteer because we have that vision we have that passion to want to ensure that what we have experienced as 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 um, being women that these young people women don't have to face similar or face anything that we've received you know, exactly. and have to face the, you know, not having role models. We want to be those, we want to grow the future role models. Exactly. And I think, you know, giving back to the community, you know, has always been a big part of me to give back to community. And I, young people need it more than ever mm-hmm. than before. Yeah. You know, especially now. More, especially now especially with the things that are going on, you know, because, I mean, that is that that is just another topic, you know, when we talk about gangs, because it's not just boys that are in gangs, it's girls as well. So, um, you know, we really... We could as, have a whole as, other as, podcast just for focus, yeah, exactly. why we want to work with girls, because... We that, could be that, here for another me, 50 minutes. <laughs> trust me, that Focus CIC podcast is coming because we need to, we've got so much to talk about and we've got so much each of us to give mm-hmm. and um, to really to really talk about what we what we envision, mm-hmm. you know, for now and for the future with Focus CIC. And I think uh, more people that get to know about focus cic and what we are about um let's 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 you know let's make things big and beautiful and uh, you know and and especially for you know let's get more young girls into sports because it is quite worrying that there is such a lack of girls going into sports um you know by the time by the time they reach year six in primary school and then they're going and transitioning into secondary school, you know, there was a big drop. Although, mm-hmm. yes, they do PE because that's part of the curriculum, but there is a massive drop on yeah. attending after school club. And yet the after school club in secondary schools are free. So there is no barrier where it comes to finances. So I want to know why. Why is there such a massive drop? Whereas in primary school, you have to pay for the after-school club activities. And, you know, I just, I just, I just don't understand. And I want to know, I want to understand why there is such a drop where by the time girls go into secondary school, when they have all of these after-school club activities, sporting activities, and they don't take up those opportunities, they don't take them up. Well, as you know, we're doing our, we're in the middle of doing our research, and I've got it some of it in front of me now. It's like so confidence is a barrier. So mm. um, women in sports have done um, some research. It says like twenty five percent of girls say that they lack confidence, and that pre- prevents them from taking part, compared to nine percent of boys. Um, so that was taken from the Women in Sport and Youth Sport Trust for two thousand and seventeen. Then you've got. Um, Pressure of schoolwork is also a, a much bigger barrier to taking yeah. part in physical activity. Um, you got, and then you've got period, um, menstrual cycle. So that prevents them from taking part in physical activity in school as well. So mm. when we look at it from the female, the young women and girls' point of view, there are a few reasons. But we are, we as women, we all go, we go through those. We have our menstrual cycle, you know. We have work, we have our confidence issues, but we want to show this is why we want to be the role models to show young women and girls that yes, we can go through all of these things, but it shouldn't um, hinder us from being physically active. 
Yeah, and uh, there was something that uh, that I felt that was um, quite nice that you spoke about. You did this twelve week uh, boxer size class. Yeah. And it involved parents as well. And I think that is so nice because a lot of parents, when they have children, they feel left out. Maybe some of them, they went to the gym prior to having their children. And then, you know, they stopped going because they didn't have childcare. They didn't have someone to help look after, you know, their child. So they couldn't go to the gym and they stopped going to the gym. And as you know, you know, when people talk about motivation, um, it's, not as clear cut as that mm. when people say oh well you know you can work out in home it's just not as clear cut as that because it takes a lot for someone to actually work out in home yeah you know um so but that was the whole point of why I we think... like why i thought about that because it was like okay if the young person comes and the parents are just going to sit there and watch so if they might have to just join in because I know I was that parent. I know yeah. I was that parent that would just take my son or go somewhere and come back and collect him. And then that, you know, he would have had an hour of work, like whatever activity he was doing, but I wouldn't have seen it or I wouldn't have been able to, to participate in it. But this way, so all, all what I do is all based on my lived experience and how if I could do things differently, what I would do. And so I try to make the projects and even the work that I do with my coach, and I try to make the projects that I do how I would have liked it to have been when I was with my son at that age. Yeah. You know? So even and though that... focus CIC now related more to young women and girls, but it's still the parent and child effect. Yeah, and I think that's nice because you know, you know, we know we both know that you know physical activity is important for mental health. And your mental well-being, you know. So, you know, young people doing the physical activity and a parent getting involved, you know, it, it's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. you know, it's uh, it. I, I, I like I like the concept. And, and we're gonna um, go back through, and we're gonna you know what the work that we're doing now with you know yourself and I. And Puri and Sarah and whoever, you know, the other members of the team that are not yet here yet, they're in transition. That's <laughs> we we got projects like that in mind, you know, whether it be from we receive funding or like you know we're in the middle of trying to arrange, not even trying, we are arranging to do like a crowd a community crowdfunder, something to you know pump some financial. Um, pump some money into the organisation so that we can really benefit a lot more young women and girls because at the moment we're restricted obviously with areas as well because we're the, depending on where the funding comes from you know we, we, there's a huge competition when it comes to funding now because of COVID-19 and so much more organisations have had their fundings cut for, you know, for many different reasons and so if we can do something independently then we have more power in where we go and what we do, you know. 100%, and percent, yeah. And I, and I know it's going to happen, so I just, <laughs> I just can't wait for it to happen, you know. <laughs> no, so no. It, it's, it's just, it's just going to be amazing. And then obviously, and then with the work that I do as well, with the, with the women in the coaching, you know, I, I even vision some of the women that I coach could even become role models for our young women and girls, you know. So it's just... The whole cycle of what I do is all, it all just feeds into one another. And it's just, and for me, when I sit back now, and I do, when I do podcasts, it's just, it's just so lovely to just vision what I'm actually talking about. Because it was once a, should I do this? And now it's like, oh, it wasn't even once should I do it? It's like, can I do this? Who am I to do this? And now yeah. it's like, I'm so glad I have made, started paving the way to show other, especially black women as well, that we can do this. This is something that we should stop questioning ourselves and doubting ourselves and just go forth and just give something to try and don't worry about judgment. 100%. And I think, you know, I I think women in general, 
no totally I get, yeah definitely definitely women in general but obviously I like I we have these conversations I can only speak from a black woman's perspective but I am within the BAME community yeah, so yeah. that's why I say what we do for focus as a community because of what who we represent we represent the BAME but when I'm when I the work that I do in my coaching I do one-to-ones with any race but as you know I'm in the process of setting up a, a group specifically for black women because I am a black woman and so you know I can only advise from my own stories from my own history from my own what I've gone through but whereas yeah. in Focus CIC because we there's representation from the, from Bain, from the Bain community within our own group we can cater for we can cater for Bain community the Bain women young women and girls yeah definitely definitely and I think you know you know to be honest um, in the in the BAME community, there is lack of representation mm-hmm. across 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 the board. Definitely across yeah. the board, there is lack of. I mean, I don't know. That's another long story. I know we've been <laughs> on here for yeah. yeah. That's another podcast. So. <laughs> so, yeah. But so anyway. I, I think thank you very much, like for giving me the opportunity to to talk about my story and. I I I, want to, I love talking about it not because I like talking about myself but I love talking about it in the fact that I can educate somebody else because as I said in the beginning I was not educated I've never heard anything like this when I was going through what I was going through yeah. you know so I hope that when another young woman listens to this or even a young man whoever listens to this and can understand that well okay this is real because I and I say well I just part on this and I say this before I leave and I did a talk one day and a gentleman came up to me and he said in fact he wrote me a letter he wrote me an email a very long email stating that he thanked me for doing the talk that I did because his daughter had been trying to tell him that she was having you know some mental ill health and he just brushed it off as if to say she was either looking for attention or it wasn't real he didn't really believe that mental ill health was a was a real illness mm-hmm. and when he heard my talk and all what I had gone through it resonated with him from what his daughter had been telling him what she was experiencing and he said he had to actually book a flight because she wasn't actually in the country to, to apologize to her and now even just saying that gives me goosebumps because wow wow I know that so That's I know someone listening to this yeah, so I know someone listening to this, it will help someone. It will educate somebody out there and say this is actually uh, mental health. Mental ill health is a real illness. It's not someone looking for attention. So if anybody is out there that is expressing signs of ill health, then please direct them to... I think actually on the podcast, I'm not saying what to do. There should be like a list of where people probably could assign posting where people could go. Um, yeah. to get some help yeah, I think I think I'll put that down I'll, yeah. I'll put um, I'll put it down in the description of where people can you know the best contacts mm. um, in the UK um, to, to get that help and support because as you rightfully say you know um, mental health affects both genders it's not one specific gender and as we already know you know women although when you're going through mental health um mental health illness although you might not want to talk but women tend to talk a little bit more openly than men yeah whereas men hide it and in actual fact you wouldn't even know that um a man has got mental ill health Mm -hmm. um and that you know again you know that's a you know an accumulation of things I mean just the same as for example yourself Andrea I mean you couldn't just put 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 your finger on the button and say right you know this is what this is how come I got mental health it was because of this it's an accumulation of things that happen in our life you know it's a accumulation of stress maybe from home life from work life from whatever but it's a it's an accumulation and it's 
it's not we shouldn't feel weak to talk about that we're not feeling okay it's okay to be not okay definitely and I think what other people people need to know as well that especially with like I wouldn't say especially but from my story yes and I say like it's my adversity to advantage story because I was able to turn that adversity of being diagnosed into an adversity where I'm now have focus CIC, the new fitness mentoring program, a mental health instructor, my coaching service. So all of this has been born from that one diagnosis. So just to put a positive spin on the diagnosis, because a lot of the time we hear, you know, very negative, like I said in the beginning, very negative stories, but I like to end the story and saying, yes, I was diagnosed, but I was able to, like I say, adversity to advantage or Another saying I have is turning my pain into prosperity. And so, you know, it is possible, it is doable, it is able. I turned my pain to my passion, found my passion into my life purpose, and then I was able to prosper financially and mentally, and not just for myself, but for other people as well. So, if that was the last thing I had to say on this podcast, that would be my ending gift because it's like just to remind people that. It, I wouldn't say that I've overcome because I still have some days that um, I have my down moments but before I used to have down weeks down months but now I know my triggers and that's another thing as well if you identify your triggers then you're more than likely to be able to manage it a lot better and that's what I've been able to do so just remember that yes you may have been diagnosed and I'm you know for especially for mild to moderate that you can help yourself to help yourself to get a lot better and, and to change change things it's all about yeah trying to make a change and on that positive note <laughs> thank you so much Andrea for coming on to the show and I hope that you know our listeners will be enlightened to your story you. and it was been a real great pleasure connecting with you as well and being part of Focus CIC now we're great it's great to have you on board <laughs> that's another positive <laughs> ending because it is such a great thing to have you on board thank you so much thank you so much take care yeah you too thank you bye bye